0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Holy Crap It Sports. It's Monday, April 22nd. A lovely day in the palatial studios of Sandy Springs, Georgia. How you doing? I'm Pete Davis. You can follow me uh, on Twitter, at Davis one That's at Pete Davis number one or write me at PeteDavis1 at Yahoo.com. Pete Davis one at Yahoo.com. I always love to hear your feedback, uh, both pro and con, what's going on with the show anyway this is a lovely time of year because it's starting to get warm it's starting to get wonderful hope everybody had a great easter weekend passover weekend and you're ready after eating that chocolate bunny you are all hot and ready to do a little baseball talk tonight we got so much to talk about with the latest injury news plus i'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit about how baseball is missing the boat and basically merchandising to a younger generation uh do they want to uh um, Push shoes, or do you want to push the sport of baseball? I think MLB needs to figure something out on that. We've got this day in baseball history, all kinds of stuff going on, so let's get started. Over the weekend, um, the Braves and Indians had an amazing series up there, and we'll talk about that as well. The Indians got off of that doubleheader Saturday after the the rain out on um, Friday. And the Indians won the first game 8-4, and they were up 7 nothing in the second game, and it looked like the Braves were just dead after getting swept at home by the Diamondbacks earlier in the week, and then the Braves roared back. The biggest comeback so far in Major League Baseball this year, the Braves winning 8-7. to I think it was like five runs scored with two outs in the top of the ninth, and A.J. Mentor struck out the side, the bottom of the ninth, and then that just led to a Sunday on national television, the ESPN game, and the Braves absolutely spanked Cleveland up in Cleveland, 11-5. It wasn't even that close. It was like 11-0 uh, toward the end there. So we'll have some stories about that and featuring Brian McCann and Jeff Rancourt. But first of all, a little soapbox I want to jump on here. I was watching the Yankees game on the Yes Network, which was being televised on the MLB Network on Saturday, and uh, Clint Frazier came up. And wearing some designer Nike shoes. Of course, they had to get a close-up of the heel. And what was on the heel? Well, it was Michael Jordan doing his you know, his logo of him dunking the basketball. It's world famous. We've all seen it for the last 20, 30 years, right? So there we have a Major League Baseball player wearing the logo of a basketball player on his shoe. Okay, whatever. But the problem is, just a few days earlier, I'd seen a catcher for another team, and the first thing you saw on the catcher was his... Uh, Chest Protector. And what was there? Michael Jordan's logo. And I'm thinking, hmm. Well, anyway, Frazier hits a home run to right field. It's in Yankee Stadium, the short porch, which Soler of the Royals, I think, misplays. And it looks like it hits the top of the wall and bounces over or something. And I'm, I want to see the replay. I want to see if Soler screwed it up. I want to see if it hit the top of the wall. And I want to see uh, basically him hit the home run, Clint Frazier. Uh, no. The Yes Network did show a replay almost immediately, but the only replay they showed was a close-up of the shoe again with the Michael Jordan logo, and then you got half of the swing, and then they cut back to other programming, which basically you had to wait five minutes. Now, this is something that's been going on in baseball, I've noticed recently, where they don't immediately go to the highlight or the replay. I want to see the replay now. Not five minutes. It was literally five minutes before they actually got around to showing the replay. And then even then, this huge graphic popped up on the bottom third where you couldn't see Solaire's path to the baseball. And you really couldn't get a good look at it. And, I mean, I've got a DVR, and I'm going back and forth, back and forth, and I can not see how Solaire's going to the ball. So here's my questions. i got two of them for Major League Baseball. Okay. When was the last time you saw a baseball player's logo on an NBA uniform? And uh, am I missing something there? And also, is baseball more concerned with selling the sport of baseball or Nike shoes? There's an interesting article recently in Sports Illustrated about uh, Alex Bregman of the Astros and how he's trying to get more younger people involved in marketing and merchandising with his YouTube channel and all that. And uh, there's going to be a heck of a lot more needed When it comes to that, because baseball is so far behind in marketing its ballplayers. you got Mike Trout, who's the all-American boy, the best player to come along since Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, it seems. And hardly anyone knows him outside of Anaheim. And that's a shame, and that's baseball's fault. Anyway, we've got some injury news. Pirates outfitter Gregory Polanco is going to make his season debut tonight. That's Monday against the Diamondbacks. After missing Pittsburgh's first 19 games of the season, recovering from shoulder surgery, Polanco is going to bat third in Pittsburgh's lineup. He's going to start in right field. Uh, He's 27 years old, led the Pirates with 23 homers, 81 RBIs last season. He had surgery last September to repair the labrum and stabilize his left shoulder. And that's good news for the Pirates because they're going to need him because the full-speed collision involving Buck Centerfielder Starling Marte and shortstop Eric Gonzalez in the outfield Friday night has sent both players to the injured list. Gonzalez is going to miss eight weeks at least after being put on the 60-day injured list with a fractured collarbone. While Marte will be out at least 10 days, he's got bruises to his abdominal wall, his belly, and right quadriceps. Pirates director of sports medicine Todd Tomchek says that Marte was running 25 miles an hour. Gonzalez, 19 miles an hour at the moment of impact. Scary stuff right there. The Cardinals have placed pitcher Michael Waka Waka on the 10-day injured list with patellar tendinitis in his left knee. They announced the move uh, today on Monday, but they have not disclosed how long Waka will be sidelined. The 27-year-old 1-0 with a 4.64 earned run average in four starts this season. St. Louis recalled utility man Drew Robinson from AAA Memphis. By the way, if you ever get a chance to find yourself in Memphis in the summer, check out their minor league baseball park it is a really a wonderful thing it used to be called auto park i don't know what it is now but it's literally within walking distance of the peabody hotel you know where the ducks walk around So do a little duck walk down there and check out a little minor league baseball. Uh, The Yankees have officially released Gio Gonzalez back into the wild. Uh, He had a minor league deal going on. They decided not to add the veteran lefty to their 25-man roster. Gonzalez had opted out of the deal on Saturday, and it meant that the Yanks had 48 hours to release him or add him to the major league roster. The 33-year-old Gonzalez, man, when he came up, he was a thorn in the brave side when he was with the Nationals, and everyone was saying, this is the new uh, Andy Pettit. Well, not quite. Uh, Gonzalez was 2 and 1 with a six ERA and three starts for Triple A uh, Scranton Wilkes Bearer. He had 19 strikeouts and six walks, and somebody will pick him up because he throws from the left. Uh, meanwhile, the Yankees' troubles continue with injuries. Aaron Judge will not be back anytime soon. I was watching that game, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the Clint Frazier game. And man, the Yankees' uh, scrubs have come up and really picked up the pace here. But Judge is going to be out. He grabbed his uh, left side almost immediately. Uh, after hitting a single, he had hit a home run earlier to right field. Where He hit another single to right field and then grabbed his side. He has a strained oblique muscle, and he could be gone for a few weeks here, maybe three weeks or more. The Yankees brought back just about every player of note from last year's playoff team, but the, there are only two players from that team's wild card game starting lineup that are currently healthy and on the roster so far. Let's go over this. In left field for that wild card game last year was Andrew McCutcheon. He's now on the Phillies. In right field, you had Aaron Judge. He's on the IL with the oblique. In center field, there was Aaron Hicks. He's on the IL with a bad back. Uh, the DH, Giancarlo Stanton. He's on the IL with bad biceps. Uh, you had first baseman Luke Voigt. Well, he's there. He's still on the team. Healthy. Shortstop, Didi Gregorius, is on the IL with Tommy John surgery. Third baseman, Miguel Anderhoff on the IL with shoulder problems. Catcher Gary Sanchez on the IL with a bad calf. Uh, second baseman Gleyber Torres is healthy. He is out there. And then you had the starting pitcher from the wild card game last year, Severino. He's on the IL with a lat. So of all that team that started that wild card game, only two of them are playing and healthy right now for the Yankees. And that's not a good sign for them. But I got to tell you what, the, the guys that have come up and uh, Clint Frazier, and that other kid, Talbach or whatever, they have really carried the load right now. I think the Yankees should be happy. And even Joe Girardi, the former Yankees manager, said on the MLB Network, that uh, Aaron Boone's doing a pretty good job as manager, and i got to agree. Bad news for the bad luck player Matt Shoemaker of the uh, Blue Jays, choking back tears after Tess revealed a torn ACL in his left knee on Sunday. Another promising season cut short for uh, the oft-injured right-hander, and uh, he was hurt at the end of a rundown Saturday. And so he's on the 10-day injured list right now, but uh, that'll be longer. He's out for the year. The 32-year-old is 3-0 and with a 1.57 ERA and five starts. He had signed a 3500000 million one one-year deal with Toronto back in December. Last year, he only got seven starts with the Angels because of a strained right forearm. And then three years ago in 2016, he got a skull fracture when he was hit in the head by a line drive. So hopefully he'll be able to get over that. Uh, Shoemaker was uh, chasing Oakland's Matt Chapman in the third inning in a rundown. He applied the tag, then spun around to avoid contact, and that's when the injury happened when he twirled. So just let that be a lesson, kids. Do not twirl on the baseball diamond. Well, one of the big plays everyone's talking about on the weekend could be the defensive player of the year coming from Ramon Laureano, the center fielder for the Oakland A's. And, man, oh, man, what an arm. He has been showing off for the last year. Or so, well, I got to tell you what. There was a runner on first in the top of the second inning. Teoscar Hernandez of the Blue Jays launched a near 400-foot blast to center field. L'Oreal raced back to the wall, jumped up, reached over the wall. This was a legitimate home run and robbed Hernandez of the two-run dinger. But that's not all. He then turned around and threw back to first base from deep center field at the wall, overthrew the first baseman at first base. But fortunately, catcher Nick Conley doing what he's supposed to do was backing up first base, picked up the ball, and made a great, almost instantaneous throw to second base, a perfect throw, and they got Justin Smoke trying to advance to second base. And i got to tell you about Justin Smoke, the Smoke Monster, is not very fast. He's not as fast as the old Smoke Monster from Lost because he got doubled up there. At first, everyone's was saying, it's a double play. Well, not technically, according to Elias, that it wasn't a double play. But uh, that's just amazing. The kid is on his way to a, a gold glove award if he keeps doing that. Well, I mentioned earlier that the Braves uh, took two out of three from the Indians up there. And in the first game, which was an Indians win of a doubleheader on Saturday, Brian McCann hit a home run. And of course, Jeff Francoeur, his former teammate and maybe former friend now, <laughs> they like to kid each other. Francoeur was doing some uh, work for Fox Sports, uh, Fox Sports South, I believe, doing color commentary. And he said he'd been looking forward to calling a Brian McCann home run for quite a while. In fact, here's what Frank Kerr had to say about his friend. It's the two most exciting minutes in baseball, ladies and gentlemen, watching Brian McCann do his home run trot. And what was funny last night during the ESPN national game, uh, they had Jason Kipnis, the Indian second baseman, mic'd up. And uh, McCann actually beat out a double sliding into second base just ahead of Kipnis who was diving to get him. And Kipnis looked at him and said, man, you're just too fast. (laughs) You can't teach speed like that. Uh, speaking of how the Braves got off to a bad start Saturday, and they were behind 7 nothing before they came back. A.J. Mentor struck out the side in the bottom of the ninth in the second game, so he looked good. Betsy Bates tweeted that the Braves are making me sad. I may have to switch to watching a Hallmark movie. <laughs> and B.J. said, anybody know a good wagon repair shop? The wheels are falling off this one. Well, I tell you what, it's Kelsey... Kelsey Wingert, who uh, reports on the Braves, said, I don't know how many times i got to tell you guys, do not tune out the Braves in the last year or so when it comes to the seventh inning on. These are comeback kids. Tim Kirkchin, one of our favorite uh, sports writers and now working for ESPN, has a couple nuggets of joys for us. Uh, Joey Gallo hit his first sacrifice fly ever over the weekend. It came in his plate appearance number 1,337. Only two other players went deeper into their career before getting their first sack fly. One of them was former Dodgers second baseman Steve Sachs with 1,388. But the worst of all time, the longest guy to take in at-bats to get to his first sacrifice fly was Hall of Famer Greg Maddox with 1,405 plate appearances before getting his first sack fly. And what's amazing about Joey Gallo, all the sucker does is strike out and hit fly balls. Uh, most of them going over the fence. Gallo has 96 home runs. Next most home runs before getting his first sack fly was Willie Moe Payne. You remember him? With 50. Willie Mo played with the Reds there and a few other places. And also, Kirkshin had this little tweet. And here's a little pet peeve from PGA Tour golf players and club pros. They insist that golf, like baseball, is a noun, not a verb. You play golf. You don't golf a lot. You don't love to golf. You didn't golf twice last week because no one baseballed twice last week. You play baseball. You play golf. Uh, Methinks they protest too much. I think it's both a noun and a verb, the word golf. And I have golfed and I love to play golf. I'm just not good at golf. I will use it always. Now, before we do a little Today in Baseball History, Mm -mm. And once again, I hope everybody had a wonderful weekend, holiday weekend. A little Sapporo beer from Japan today. Let's do this day in baseball history, April 22nd, or April 22nd, if you want to enunciate. 1876, 3,000 fans attended the Philadelphia Athletics win, or I'm sorry, lost the Boston Red Caps that's a good name, the Red Caps, and the first game ever played in the National League. And you're saying, wait a minute, Pete, come on. Philadelphia A's there in the American League. Well, not in 1876, my friends. Uh, it's the National League's inaugural event by default when the other scheduled games are rained out. On this date in 1914, Babe Ruth, in his first professional game, blanks Providence to give Baltimore a 6-0 International League victory. 18 of the 94 Major League victories thrown by the future Sultan of Swat will be shutouts. Of course, that was the dead ball era. Uh, before 1920 1915 similar to the looks of the pirates the yankee uniforms feature pinstripes for the first time that's right yankee fans you stole from the pirates the bronx bombers will abandon pinstripes for two seasons 1913 and 1914 before returning to the style for good in 1915 on this date 1947 not a very good date and it involves Jackie Robinson. The Phillies players, inspired by their racist skipper, Ben Chapman, repeatedly shout racial slurs and throw bean balls and intentionally spike Brooklyn's rookie first baseman the first African-American to play Major League Baseball in the 20th century. The incident is so bad that Philadelphia's infielder Jeep Handley will later publicly apologize, and Baseball Commissioner Happy Chandler will chastise the team's manager for his bigoted leadership. In fact, if you ever saw the movie 42 uh, about the Jackie Robinson story, and Harrison Ford does a good job at Branch Rickey, and the, the young man playing, his name escapes me, that played uh, Jackie Robinson also did a very good job. It's not the guy who does the Black Panther, is it? Is that the same kid? Uh, Anyway, does a very good job. Happy Chandler pretty much makes Ben Chapman do a public display of welcome to Jackie Robinson. And it's a pretty good scene. Uh, On this day in 1957, once again involving racism in the Phillies, entering the game as a pinch runner, John Kennedy becomes the first black man to play for the Phillies. And the Phillies were the last National League team to integrate. The Red Sox were the last American League team, if not the overall uh, last team. Was it Pumpsy Green? But anyway, the Phillies, the last National League team to integrate. The city of brotherly love. The former shortstop, John Kennedy, for the Birmingham Black Barons and Kansas City Monarchs, the Monarchs, will bat only twice in the major leagues, striking out and reaching out on an error. Those of you who uh, watch Adult Swim, or Cartoon Planet may get that Monarch's joke there. On this day in 1959, in the seventh inning of a twenty to six route to the Kansas City A's, the White Sox scored eleven runs on just one hit. <laughs> the other base runners that day in Municipal Stadium in KC get on thanks to two errors, ten walks, and one hit batsman. On this day in 1970, on the very day that he's presented with his Cy Young Award for 1969, Mets fireballer Tom Seaver ties the Major League record by striking out 19 Padres, and the pods weren't very good then, including the last 10 batters he faces, got a 2-1 win at Shea Stadium. On this date in 2008, in a scheduling oddity, both New York big league teams play in Chicago, with the Mets playing the Cubs in the matinee and the Yankees taking on the White Sox in the evening. This unusual occurrence marks the first time in over 11 years that two teams from one city have both played as the visitors in the same city on the same date. This is something of biblical proportions, literally, because the reason this happened, because two days earlier, the Pope had come to the Bronx, and had a mass at Yankee Stadium. On this day, also in 2008, striking out national second baseman Felipe Lopez with his signature split-finger fastball, John Smoltz of the Braves becomes just the 16th pitcher in big league history to achieve 3,000 career strikeouts. Unfortunately, the Bravos lost that day to Washington at Turner Field, 6-0. But Smoltz faces 10 batters, or actually fans 10 batters, for the 45th time in his 20-year career on this date in 2010. The Yankees turn their first triple play in 42 years when Alex Rodriguez steps on third to start the 5-4-3 around the horn play that results in three outs and a 4-2 loss to the A's in Oakland. The team's last triple killing occurred in June of 1968 on a 1-5-3 ground ball hit by Minnesota's John Roseborough, a play started by pitcher Dooley Womack, who's featured prominently in the book Ball Four, continued by third baseman Bobby Cox, yep, Former Blue Jays and Braves Hall of Fame manager Bobby Cox, and it was finished by the first baseman for the Yankees, who was playing first base for the New York Yankees in June of 1968, Mickey Mantle. And finally, on this date in 2018, April 22nd, Brandon Belt works the most extended, the longest at bat in Major League history, sees 21 first inning pitches from LA's Jaime Barilla and the Giants' 42 victory at Angel Stadium the San Francisco first baseman's 12 minutes and 45 second plate appearance in which he fouls off, get this, 16 baseballs, including 10 in a row, I watched this game, surpasses the 1998 duel between Indians right-hander Bartolo Colon and Astro infielder Ricky Gutierrez by just one pitch. That is a long at bat. Once again, hope everybody had a great weekend. Oh, we have yet, yet to have any sirens. Everybody's being very nice today. Uh, gnawing on their, the ears of the chocolate bunny. Do you eat the ears first or the, or the tail? Anyway, I'm Pete Davis. You can follow me on Twitter at Davis one That's the number one. Or write me, PeteDavis1 at Yahoo.com, and I'll read your uh, letters pro and con. Right here on the podcast. And coming up in future podcasts, I'm going to tell you about a game I I went down in Tampa Bay. Spring training game back in 2005 at Legends Field in Tampa Bay between the New York Yankees and Atlanta Braves. You're not going to believe who were on these teams. What a lineup these teams put out that day, especially the Yanks back in 2005. Well, thanks again for the Sapporo beer and uh, for listening. And uh, you can follow me on uh, Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N You can listen to this on iTunes I think it's up on Stitcher now as well uh, On the Facebook page And on Twitter as well And you can listen to us while we're still on the air The Kimmer Show From 3 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday On Talk 106.7 FM That's in Atlanta so check us out. They sold the station out from under us, but we're on the air for a few more weeks. So enjoy. I do sports between 5.15 p.m. and 5.25 p.m. And the rest of the time, I just make, sit back and make smart-ass comments. Anyway, appreciate all the camera listeners listening to the podcast as well. Everybody, have a lovely night.